Hello and welcome to the family table. Uh, I'm excited for the journey that we're going to be going on over the next few episodes. Uh, we've got a lot of a lot of exciting topics, including passing on our faith, intergenerational church, a whole bunch of other topics coming up. So continue to subscribe and enjoy the the content that will be coming over the next uh, two to three months in our first season of the family table. But today. We're looking at passing on the faith, and I'm very excited for the fact that we have Colleen Savage, the Children and Family Ministries Director at the North New South Wales Conference here. And Colleen, um, you want to introduce yourself? What do you do? What's your role actually look like? And, and what are you doing there at the conference office? Many people might not really be aware of what happens and, and what your role entails. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for inviting me. It's been it's a real privilege to be here today. And Good morning or good evening, Kingscliff Church and anyone else who's listening. So, yes, I'm, I'm Colleen Savage. I've just started my new role here at the beginning of this year, taking over from awesome Darren Pratt <laughs> and um, your big shoes to fill, but uh, I'm enjoying it very much. And, uh, yeah, so what I do is I... I go around to different churches and schools. I can do um, chapels and I, um, I, I actually at the moment I'm doing children's stories around the different churches as well. And I provide resources. A big focus for us this year is family worship. So it's giving ideas to families, you know, to, to do family worship because it is just so important setting these traditions and, um, mm. um, you know, uh, yeah, getting, getting introducing Jesus to the children. Yeah, it was a stat um, I heard on family worship from David Trim at the General Conference, and it was, it was only 30% of Adventist families around the world that are doing family worship in any regular way, which is, uh, I'm so glad that that's a focus of not just you, but also of the, the General Conference and the NAD as well at the moment. They've just produced a resource which was last week but we're going to be doing it in a few weeks which is rebuilding the family altar um so that's such a such an amazing resource i'm so glad that's something that is a focus at the moment is kind of what we're talking about today as well and just a straight off the bat question of the day it's a thing we'll be doing in each of our different episodes for today if someone needs a quick resource what is the best resource for bedtime stories with kids that are bible focused yeah, good question, Andrew. Look, I love, you know, Bible-focused books are amazing. Mm. However, I think the most important resource, the Bible. Yeah. You know, nothing nothing beats the Bible. And um, there are so many fascinating stories in there and building that sense of awe and amazement of, of, of Jesus and his amazing love for us and everything he did on the earth and here and and god's creation and there's just so much in there that we can draw from so i think that's key is mm. using the bible itself but there are so many great resources out there and, and of course it depends on the child's age and development as well and and the family's age and stage of their faith development but um you know from young babies get that sense of awe into the into the children and um you know as, as the children as the children get older primary age you know talk about discuss what all the stories and how it's linked to their lives making it appropriate and relevant to their lives and um and of course the teens as well i think when they have those stories from young and then they 
they face different trials such as you know depression and anxiety is on the rise and um and conflicts with their friendships and you know they can they can live they can rely on those stories they learned from very very young and how Jesus helped them and his advice for us in the Bible and and the wisdom and praying for wisdom uh, to to apply to their struggles that they're facing. Awesome. No, it's it's key, isn't it? And a lot of people are afraid of engaging with the Bible with their kids, but you're right. There's just so many stories packed in there that you can just read with your kid and unpack it together. Um, mm. Even even just using like Peter Rowanfeldt's discovery Bible reading method, even with oh, young kids, amazing. it just yes. works so well. Uh, I, I I use that in a lot of my studies with young kids and I've seen parents use it in their family worship space and these kids are just so insightful. And I think a good thing to remember as we before we get into the rest of our conversation is that kids don't get a junior-sized version of the Holy Spirit. They don't get a different oh. Holy Spirit. They get the same Holy Spirit that we all get. So I'd encourage people again to engage with the Bible. But today we're going to be looking at passing on the faith, Mm -hmm. Uh, traditions, rituals, habits, all kinds of different things, ways that we can pass on the faith. And as a preface to this conversation, I want to throw some statistics out there. I use a 30% from the general conference, or there's only 30% of families that are doing family worship. In Australia, though, there's only 30% of families that are having meals at the dinner table together. So that's also a thing of the past. And I think it's not just those two things that are causing it, but there's a larger issue when we look at this. It is that faith is not getting transmitted anymore the way that it used to. In Australia, uh, it is about 75%, according to McCrindle Research, of young people will leave the church sometime in their 20s. And often we start to focus on retaining them at the age of 20 when they've already gone in their teenage years because the faith, just it just wasn't passed on to them. And that's heartbreaking. I don't know if you had any insight on, on that space before we dive into the next space there, Colleen, but I think that's some important things to, to preface this conversation with. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, according to my reading and research as well, they said, you know, generally after leaving high school, 70 to 80 percent is the estimate of young people who are leaving our church and yeah, we need to get them younger we need to retain them and get them younger than that so that they have this longing and this relationship with Jesus um, as number one in their lives and um, the top five reasons that I found according to the Lifeway research in the Barnard group now this is in 2019 mm-hmm. yep. and we're finding it's actually higher now post-COVID But the top five reasons, according to young people, why they leave churches, um, they move away from home to go to college. The church members seem judgmental and hypocritical. So there's that, um, you know, that responsibility for the the church to build build, um, relationships with the children. You know, they say this, every child needs about five other adults Mm, who who need to be interested in their lives you know um just ask them how they're going you know what are they you know what are are they doing what are their interests you know what are their strengths what are they you know what are their challenges they face and just showing a little bit of interest in them um they don't feel connected to people in the church yes that was the third reason and um this was an interesting one that i read they disagreed with the church's stance on political and social issues such as being negative about about the lgbtq plus movement and the way they were treated Mm. 
you know, in society, it's, it's becoming a bit more, um, you know, um, you know, we need to love them more, and, and you know, which we, which we do need to, and 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 not judge them, and because uh, they're going through some challenges mm. themselves, and and our kids are watching us how we're treating, um, you know, people who are different, who have different challenges, and if they feel that we're judging them, then you know why, you know why come to church, and um, and the, another reason was their their work responsibilities prevented them from attending, so they're putting their work and study above church. And then I was reading this, and then one comment at the end of the research well, by a young person, which I which I really agreed with. She wrote that. Um, the reasons were all surface reasons. So those five reasons she felt were all surface reasons. And that the underlying matter is that young people do not have a deep personal relationship with Jesus. That many people are biblically illiterate. They are taught a Christian belief system, but lack the personal relationship with Jesus. And I just found that, yeah, that, that, that that's so true. Mm. And going back to that, you know, having that, teaching our children their Bible stories, having that sense of awe and that relating the Bible stories to our own lives and making it relevant. That's where it comes in and praying for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives constantly. I, I, there's so much there to unpack. I could almost do a podcast on each of those different reasons, really, <laughs> and the challenges that people are facing. Uh, the, there's a lot of research out there, and McCrindle in Australia, he did some similar research, but he did it on barriers of people joining the church mm. and those barriers for people joining the church a lot of them line up with the reasons why the young people are leaving the church because there's certain things that whilst they are superficial in many ways they also are a practice of our theology because we whatever someone's theology is ultimately they live that theology out and if our theology leads us to be judging to be all those different things that's what we're living at that's what our kids are seeing and it doesn't line up with what they know from the Bible, but we also need to be giving people a faith that works, mm. giving our young kids a faith that works. And they also need to be seeing a faith that works in in their parents as well, which leads me to this next question. Is a child's faith the responsibility of the church or parents to develop? It's a big question. It is. It is. And, you know, Andrew, when I, when I first read this question, I was thinking, well, of course, it's it's the parents' responsibility. You know, we, we spend the most time with our children, mm -hmm. more than schools, more than coming to church. However, upon, again, upon reading and researching this, this I'm going to read this to you. It's Go for it. The um, Teaching the Faith, an Essential Guide for Building Faith-Shaped Kids by um, Haubenicht and Burton. Now, this is back in 2004, but it's still very relevant to us today. In page 312, it says, Who is responsible for faith development? The Holy Spirit. We don't cause faith development, no matter how wonderful our instruction or our relationship with the child. We do every us as parents and Sabbath school teachers and, and leaders in the church, we do everything possible to provide a nurturing environment, but a nurturing environment alone will not change a child's heart and mind. It will not result in conversation and a lifelong relationship with our Lord. The Holy Spirit changes hearts and minds. It is something we cannot do. We must not be lured into thinking that a knowledge of children, curriculum development, or teaching strategies can provide all we need for faith development of our children and youth. 
religious faith and salvation are always gifts from God. Gifts he gives us as we are able to understand and use them. Now, this next paragraph really hit me hard. It says, as teachers and parents, we are completely dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit to draw children and youth towards the Savior. We must not forget this dependence. Love that. Wow, that 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 really hits home. Uh, It reminds me a lot of Barna's work in 2003 in transforming children into spiritual champions. He focused a lot on introducing them to Jesus, introducing them to the Holy Spirit and getting them into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It isn't for us to indoctrinate. That's a strong word. Someone, some people might not be upset with that word, but in many ways, it's not for us to give the kids fundamentals and, and doctrine to believe. Yes, that comes and that's important, but it's about that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we've got to provide spaces for them to have an encounter with God yeah. and an experience. We're, yeah, we're, we're the instruments. Yeah. We're the instruments that God's u- God uses to instill faith in, in our young people. And that is, you know, that's for us. It's, it's not us. It's God using us. And I think that's where we need to keep praying, keep praying for our children, keep praying for the Holy Spirit to use us and to, you know, um, go in, be instilled in their hearts as well. And that's where I think things like family worship is so important, which I do think is yeah. the responsibility of the parents to make happen in answering that. Because... Yeah. If without family worship, where are the kids going to be seeing your faith working with them? Because yes. they're at school for six hours, then they come home, and you're tired, and you just want to go to sleep. Because I know you've been a teacher for teachers; it's been a long day, and I know that for lots of people, they're doing a a burnout level of work at the moment. And doing family worship might be the last thing on their on their mind, but providing five, even 10 minutes to see the Holy Spirit working through you as a parent is, I just, we can't, we can't um, understand enough the impact that that makes on a kid's faith development and their relationship with, with, with God. Yeah. Every little minute counts and it, because it adds up, mm. right? All those little minutes, they add up. And, uh, you know, it makes me think of Charles Spurgeon, you know, he he is a great preacher, he's called the Prince of Preachers. And I I did a family worship workshop at Hamilton Church a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, sharing a lot of resources and the importance of family worship as well. And, um, you know, reading up um, about Charles Spurgeon, you know, he was so, so busy. He wrote books and did so many sermons every week. Amazing. And um, at, but at six o'clock every evening, he would stop, stop everything in his house, get all his household together, his wife and his two sons, and say, we are doing family worship now. Wow. And uh, and when he, when he died, his wife and his two sons, who became preachers, constantly reflected back to that time when they did family worship together and how much it meant to them and how they grew together as a family. Yeah, you know, it's saying a family that prays together stays together. Absolutely, and I think that that's probably a crucial thing that I'd, I'd say with with this question is that the church has a role. The, yes. in, in, in providing a celebration of mm-hmm. faith on, on, a, on a Sabbath, in a service, in a space together to do life with. But the family is where, where kids are seeing 
their their parents engage with, with God and that encourages them to engage with God. Mm-hmm. And and like what Charles Spurgeon's done, his kids stayed in the church. I know so many uh, pastors' kids who who haven't been able to stay in the church for various reasons. But I also have so many friends who haven't stayed in the church and for every single one of them there's many reasons but one of one of the reasons that I've discovered as time has gone on is that their families just didn't practice didn't do their uh, their spirituality didn't do their religion didn't do their faith during the week it was a, a sad one day a week thing Whereas, and so, yeah, sorry, Andrew. Keep on, keep, go, Colleen. You, you're jumping straight in. Go for it. <laughs> oh no, it's just you know I, I really think that's how Satan works. He's mm. so clever, you know. And it's time. We all say we don't have time, and um, and that's when I use this example of so from Charles Spurgeon in my in you know in that talk I did a few weeks ago, and I said everything he did, yet he intentionally made that time you know that same with intentionally eating around the dinner for dinner table it's so much easier to sit in front of the tv everyone eat to their own times when they are ready but it's that intentionality about making that time for for god and each other yeah and i think we have almost tricked ourselves and might be the work of of satan there but i think we have tricked ourselves into that we don't have time but what what we actually we really do have time we have moments in the evening we have moments in all kinds of time where we can reassess and we can change what we're doing and i would encourage anyone who is realizing they simply haven't given time or they don't have time for their family or their kids to take a moment and write down everything they do in their day and reassess and find even five minutes to do faith as a family and yeah, at, at, at the moment, my my year, my daughter is in year eleven, is busy writing exams. So we talk, we go through time management, and we you know make a schedule together on you know how we can fit everything in. However, we say you know what is our priority? Number one is praying, is is relationship with God. He you make that number one, and He'll help us with the rest. Yeah, absolutely. So, in thinking of that, in making time, I think there's something to be said for traditions and rituals. Yeah. Uh, like what what role do traditions and rituals play in the formation of faith in kids and I, I, i've got stories i can share ticking over right now from growing up and from my extended family in that we would do with a whole extended family known as the pasco soup night we'd go to my grandfather's house and the whole family comes together and we have soup on a friday night it didn't matter what mm-hmm. other programs were on whatever else who cares it was where we're here for family doing family together in an intergenerational family community we've got little babies right to the grandparents and it used to be also the great grandparents as well and that was an essential time of mm-hmm. seeing the way that faith is working in every single member of the extended family community and I think that's one of the reasons why myself and also my sister are still in the church is that we were able to see the faith that each member of our family had. And I, I don't know about you, is there is there something important here to be said for traditions and rituals in, in, in providing a space for the formation of faith? 
Well, humans are naturally creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know that children and adults thrive on routine and um, you know traditions. And so, yes, we like a change every now and again, but ultimately we long to have a routine to get things done. And God also likes routine. Yes. If you look at the seven-day week, the 24-hour clock, the four seasons, things can be predictable more or less, and there's safety in that. And traditions create memories as well, and they give us a sense of identity and safety just like you were saying with your family and belonging and can also show respect and love to others so so you know something we've got the traditions in different cultures such as shaking hands hugging fist pumping you know kiss on greeting and there's even like we can see lately with the um you know the queen passing away that you know curtsy to, to before the king and the queen and sports te- sports teams do group huddles before tournaments to encourage each other mm-hmm. children love their bedtime stories you know we pray with our eyes closed before eating or bedtime and um communion is an important tradition in the church to remember what Jesus did for us at the cross and um you know traditions gives us memories to look back on and reminisce and so, so with faith formation as well it's about getting into routines and a longing to take part in something when that routine is broken so when I was in Germany I, I did a gap year straight after school in Germany and I stayed with a non-adventist family and um, I didn't go to church every week I was very very wow. shy and I didn't go to church every week but So I was there for a year, but towards the end of that year, I was longing to go back to South Africa and and, and go back to church because I felt that was, you know, that was where I felt I belonged. I, um, I, you know, there were relationships were there. And um, and again, also, you know, when um, when COVID, you know, when the lockdowns first started and and churches were shut, I remember people feeling stunned. I thought, well, what are we going to do now? We're out of our routine. We're out of our, 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 our tradition of going to church but then they found new routines and now people are finding it hard to come back to church yes and that's a conversation i've been having this week with a few people mm-hmm. is how do we how do we get people back to church there's a whole nother discussion really about the way that we do church but mm-hmm. absolutely people's routines once they change and it's almost it changes your whole your whole life right mm-hmm. in the in the the god the routine of the of the seven day week and the and the Sabbath for me, I don't think I could I could really live without that because it's something that's so essential to what I do. And I just want to reflect that even spending a year away, right? And COVID, let's be honest, was a year, two years away from normal. Mm-hmm. It changes so much of your faith experience. I don't I don't know how how you found that exactly with that longing and that desire to be back in faith community. But I think. There's something to be said for the routines that we that we do have and, and what they do for us and our relationship with God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on Friday nights in our family, you know, the sun goes down, we are, our Christian music gets put on and and we have a Friday night treat, which the kids just love um, every every week. And I, I had that when I was growing up as my, myself, something to look forward to and then, you know, bring it into my family as well. And um, even doing devotions, coming to, you know, we have a small little five-minute devotional for girls because I've got two daughters in the car and we, don't, we read that and coming to going to school every day and and there are days where I'm not at home and I'm I'm, I'm out traveling but and they take the bus and and I miss those times when when we don't do that and and they miss that as well 
you know, and, and yeah, we had uh, during COVID, we had the great times of going hiking. We were, we were on a lot more hikes than normal and, um, you know, spending that time at home in our pajamas in front of the TV <laughs> watching church, which is more comfortable. Um, you know, however, coming back to church post-COVID, I'm thinking, oh, yes, it's these relationships that I really missed. It's only really, I really only, it only hit me hard once I did come back to church and realized, oh, yeah, these relationships, they are so much special. Mm. And I really want to encourage people to start coming back to church, especially for our children as well. You know, that's where they build those relationships. And, um, and, and you know, the Bible study, the face-to-face Bible studies in groups, that's where your faith and, and, and knowledge of Jesus grows. Absolutely. And... A question that was posed to me, and this is this is going to come up in a, in a later podcast, but how can we make our church more like the the living room at home? Mm. It's a big question because all the research says that we we have created a participatory, uh, sorry, we've created a consumer church rather than a participatory church. And that's just a, a big question in there, which I heard what you're talking about in the being at home and being able to watch church, being able to have new routines, being able to go on hikes and spend that time together has been really, really important. But there's also something to be said of those mentoring relationships of the of all those different relationships that we get at church with a wider faith community. There's something, I honestly haven't really pinned down a word to describe it, but there's just something so reinvigorating about having that community around you where you can speak with the people that have had 70 years of faith experience and their experience can just speak into young people's lives so beautifully. And we've really missed that, I think, over the past few years. Yeah. The good thing from COVID I did find is that, you know, it made us, made us, forced us to stop and spend that time with our families, which was golden. Mm. You know, and then, and then also, you know, the, the, but then coming back to the, coming back to church with that community and that mentoring and that communicating with each other and, and studying together. But it also made us realize, okay, well, let's be use, let us use the Sabbath afternoons, be more intentional as well about spending that making their time together absolutely and and yeah there's a, a lot of discussion ongoing about how we do church and and i think that's something that's important for pastors for leaders for elders for sabbath school teachers to keep on thinking about the how because mm-hmm. it's so essential for faith transfer face uh, sorry faith uh, formation and for growing our kids and i i think the last two years have caused people to reassess reassess their priorities Mm -hmm. and a lot of kids have also been reassessing their priorities so how in this space can we be real with kids because because everyone's reassessing there's there's doubt is a big thing i'm looking at at the moment and we need to be able to explore questions and there's something there's a word that i'm going to say which might upset some people but deconstruction is something that a lot of people are talking about and it's not deconstruction to get rid of people i like I had um, a Adventist uh, professor from Andrews University, Heather Thompson Day, said it this way the other day. It was that she's decluttering mm. her faith um, because she's taken on so much and she's trying to work out what's actually essential for her faith and for her girl's faith. So how do we be real with kids? 
Colleen. Now, do you have the answer or is it something that we're all still working out? <laughs> well, I think, I think we're all human, aren't we? And we need to show that to our children. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. Mm. And um, it's just, when we make mistakes, we apologize for it. Be real. Yeah. You know, and, and be real. And when we do apologize for it, we try and change our behavior. <laughs> you know, um, that's hard. Um, but, you know, that's what our children need to see that, yes, we make mistakes. And, yes, we are trying to improve on that behavior and praying about, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to help us change our, our behavior as well modeling modeling mm. modeling modeling you know walk walk the talk and i think something else that's walking the talk and in walking the talk just be honest with kids when i have a question just answer it you don't yeah. have to, if, and you, if you don't if, know if you don't know then you, then you say that you know there's yeah. i love that verse in matthew 22 verse 37 that says love the lord your love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. We've been given a mind to question. And, you know, that, that makes us different to the animal kingdom. We've got, you know, our, our frontal lobes. We, we can reason. We can think for ourselves. God wants us to reason and think for ourselves and to question. And if we don't know, then we say we don't know. But then that's when we can come up in the modeling with our children. Okay, well, let's go find out. Let's read in the Bible. Let's find some, you know, some some things that could answer question let's go to the pastor and ask him yeah absolutely i, I love it and and yeah being honest hey i don't know let's go find out together explore yeah. those things together i think that is a really beautiful way to operate it um mm -hmm. and to operate the conversations no matter what it's about whether it's about faith or whether it's about all the other complexities of life if you don't know say we're going to explore this together and find an answer you don't have to know it all as a parent none of us are experts no one's an expert at parenting. No one's an expert no. at doing faith. Um, so, yeah, ask. And this is kind of a, a separate question as well, but I've had a lot of parents coming to me talking about faith formation. Mm. And there's a lot of parents that simply are worried that their choice of where they send their kids for school, where they send their kids to grow, if that's going to affect their kids' ability to stay in the church. And... Um, I, I have a, a, a one-word a one answer, and that is, well, no, it doesn't. Um, but uh, I'm wondering if you've got any insight into this because there's a lot of parents I know are considering this and they're working out whether they need to sacrifice um, financial security to send their kids to a space that is faith-based, which I think is an absolutely amazing opportunity for kids. But as someone personally, I went through public school my whole school career and I turned out okay, I hope. Um, but I wonder if you've got any insight into that. It's a bit of a question I'm hearing a fair bit lately. Yeah, it's a tough one. Mm. Um, look, there's an African proverb that says, you know, it takes a village yes. to raise a child. And um, ultimately, if there is a faithful parent, active children's ministry in a church, and then adding a Christian Christ-centered school in the mix, at, you know, there's a three there's a three quartered strand right which makes us stronger and which makes the faith you know stronger as well however you know you know we find that children go to school over the school lifetime they go to school they spend 14 and a half thousand hours wow. and that's going to school full-time right um church across the light so school so it's five ages five to eighteen mm -hmm. they go to school for fourteen and a half hours 
church is only 1,200 hours. Wow. Look at how, that's what a small church. impact. That's excluding pathfinders and adventurers, but that's church, you know, two hours of church. And, um, and the, but home is 85,000 hours. Look at, I think, and home, home is king, isn't it? It's key. It's key. I mean, you can go, you can have children go to a church school and make the wrong friends and make the wrong decisions and leave church. Yet you can have children going to church, um, go state schools and stand up for their faith and know that, hey, they need to rely on God a lot more and Mm. their faith can be stronger. Yeah, I've seen that both. Again, I think that reflects back to the previous thing we spoke about, you know, we being the instrument and asking for the Holy Spirit to work through us in our children. Absolutely. And every teacher right now will be very happy because we said home is key. And it is whether you're want your kid to be successful in being educated or to be successful in having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Home is where it happens. Um, teachers, yeah, yeah, teachers yeah. are amazing, but yeah. parents are even more important. <laughs> That's right. You know, you, you, there are parents. What, what concerns me is, you know, there are. I see so many parents out there spending so much money on sports and tutoring, and which is all has its place. You know, because oh, we all have different gifts and talents, and we mm. we need to, um, you know, strengthen those gifts and talents. However, you know, where's the time? Where's the time spent on? relationship with jesus getting to know jesus our savior more absolutely that's just it's it's so key and so i think that's the important thing for parents to consider is is what is their family time focused on because yeah. there's eighty five thousand hours of it um and and i think that's going to go quickly as well for many parents as well so quickly. <laughs> Um, yes. But um, it's a wonderful opportunity to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus in your own home in that in that first ministry. So, mm. just a, a very quick one now is is tips. What are some tips for church leaders and parents in helping faith be passed on? We've covered a whole heap of things, but what's a very quick few tips that we can give to our parents, our families, our our church leaders as well? So again, what I read from J.C. Thompson, mm-hmm. um, he wrote, there are five tips for leaders and parents. The first thing is modeling that faith. Um, everything that you want your child to have, sorry, everything that you want your child to have in their connection with God, make sure you have that same thing. Read the Bible, spend time in prayer, be connected in some kind of group serving, giving, and showing that your family, that faith is something that is the foundation for your life, not just an item on the list. And I think as number two, attend church regularly. Consistent church attendance gives your child a chance to develop relationships that won't be developed if they only come once a week, mm. you know, once or once a month. Um, I think of my parents and how they modeled commitment. They wouldn't think of letting your kids miss football practice or soccer or gymnastics because that's how they improve and get better. So why is it any different to church and faith? That's a challenge. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. If your kids said no to school, what would your response be? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Number three, (laughs) get connected. 
get them connected, find friends that go to your child's school, volunteer in the ministry they're involved in, bring them to everything. You know, I've got a child who is very, very introverted and um, she'll say, no, she doesn't want to go because she, she is, she's introverted, you know, and I can speak that for myself. Mm-hmm. However, I would tell her, okay, I'd like you to go just for an hour and then give me a call back if um, if you don't like, if you don't feel comfortable. You know, I have never had that call. Isn't that funny? And, and, um, and every time she'll tell me, mom, I don't want to go. But every time I'll tell her, you're going. But you can call me back within, you know, if, if with the, after an hour, if you don't feel comfortable. Never had a call. And um, relationships are key to understanding and growing in faith. We all need relationships with others that help us grow in our faith. Mm, you know, if you have a depressed, depressed teenager, um, and you give them, you know, and and you give them the choice of going to church or staying at home in their udi, which one do you think they'll choose? The udi every time. <laughs> the udi every time. It is our responsibility to to encourage the child to go to to church you know in my house um going to church is is not an is not a is not an option and and they know that mm. so i don't have those arguments with them they've known that from young. going to church is not is an expectation and um, they can make their choice when they're over 18 and i pray every day that they make the right choice when they have that but then i know it's my responsibility as a parent i am the parent i know what's best for them they will go to church um absolutely and even if they're not keen it seeps into their bones i can tell you that much they can always learn something absolutely (laughs) i mean within that encouraging kids even in the and and your teenagers even in the tough space to be curious when they are in a space i don't want to be yes well it's like often as i was growing up we'd be in very traditional churches that didn't necessarily gel with who i am Mm -hmm. but it was always encouraged to be curious and to understand that I can learn something even in those spaces where I'm uncomfortable yeah. and that's a that's a challenge for some kids to to get to that point and I had a mum who was very much while you're ever you're in my house you're going to church and my dad was a pastor so it wasn't exactly an option but it was something that I think was really valuable of hey even we're going to church when we have our when we have time off we're going to rest hard yeah. but every day time we're going to church you're coming and that's that's really really essential i loved all those different tips you had and and i will summarize some of those in in the show notes for people if they want to have a have a look at them okay, a few more a, few, a couple more keep on going, keep on going. Uh, yeah again, again creating those faith traditions you know um praying for dinner serve the community together serving together is massive and that we're actually doing something like that we're organizing a, a family storm coats where families can go wow. out to the communities and serve together. So if you want more information, please come and see me. We're organizing one with Warner's Bay at the moment. And uh, it's that serving, serving together in our churches, serving together. Have your children watch you serve. If if your children don't watch you serve in the community or in your church, they're not going to want to do it. Uh, read the devotional together, you know, pick a family verse for the month, Uh, invite people over to your homes. Mm. Uh, the next one is the last one be vulnerable you know how much of your story do your children know are there things about you that they don't have a clue share your failures and successes openly you know 
I had a, again, when I went to Germany, I had a, an experience that, and I, I won't share it now just because of time, but, um, you know, I was alone in another country and, you know, my guardian angel helped me. I have mm. no, I have no doubt. And um, I can share that story another time, but, you know, I, I was in a, I was in a, um, scary situation and my you know my angel helped me through and um, it was from that being alone that my faith grew even stronger I knew I wasn't going to be alone in this foreign country and and you know and, and it made me realize I've got to pray for my children to have experiences yes it's really 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 scary to put our children in you know, in, in God's hands, even though we know it's safe, but still for, for them to experience something that might be a little bit scary and even life-threatening, but for them to know that, hey, God will pull them through. They God's got them. Absolutely. God does have them. And I've, I've had experiences like that as well where I realize, all right, God's, God's got me. He's with me through this. Mm. I want to thank you, Colleen, for being willing to join us on our Family Table podcast and the reason it's called Family Table is because everyone's welcome at the table, at the table of God. We look at the wedding feast, we look at all the different banquets that Jesus uses as parables. Every single time, everyone's welcome. There's a place at this table for our kids, for our teenagers, for our adults, for our elderly, for every single person in our, in our faith community and outside of our faith community as well. So... Before you go, I want you to do a bit of shameless self-promotion. What are you most excited to produce or share with churches in the next in the next few months? At the moment, we are super busy organising the Adventure Campery, yes, which is happening from um, seven to nine October. Um, but yeah, we do. We, we developed some family wo- uh, worship resources and games. Uh, we giving ideas for church and community events that they can run by using their spiritual gifts and talents. Uh, we also busy organizing a camp for kids with special needs. Oh, so wow. that's very very exciting. And um, so we, our first camp is we're looking at in January. So we'll start pr- start promoting that really soon. Um, so the, the camp will be for kids with ADHD and with autism. And uh, so, yeah, watch the space for that. Um, always want to promote the resource center that we have here. You yes. know, we've got an amazing resource center here for you to use. So please look it up on the North and South Wales Conference website. Um, there's a t- tab there that'll take you through to our catalog. We are busy putting that online at the moment, hoping to launch it next year. But at the moment, you can download that catalog and yeah, please order it and, um, you know, make use of that. Um, visiting church playgroups, soup kitchens, community events, parenting workshops. Uh, I'm running parenting workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if you want, you want to tap into that. It's called the Circle of um, Security Program around attachment and connecting with our kids. Um, I'm working with David Haupt on a marriage enrichment seminars. Um, yeah, again, those family storm codes and um, running children's ministry training sessions as well. So. So yeah, much on. It's so <laughs> exciting. And um, one final note is where can people find more resources around this topic? I know there's some stuff on disciple.org.au, but but where else can people find some resources? On family worship? Yeah, family worship, all those things. Yeah, well, look, my friend Google. Google, <laughs> I, yeah. I go to Google a lot, but... Um, I mean, Kurong, your, your um, you know, Better Books and Foods or your ABC. 
uh, yeah, and, and going to church and and coming up. And I have, I have actually, I do have a Facebook North New South Wales Children's Ministries page, and which I put a lot of ideas. I go around to different churches and and see what they do and put on ideas. And that's to give other churches mm. ideas of what to do, community run events, and uh, give me a call, email me. I'm happy to share ideas with you as well. Absolutely. Thank you so very much, Colleen, for your time. I know you're very, very busy and I really appreciate and I know that our church family will appreciate all the uh, insightful information that you've been able to share with us today. And hopefully we'll be able to have you on again sometime soon as well. Uh, we'd love to continue these conversations because I think they are essential for our, not just our families, but for our churches and also for the wider faith community as well to be thinking about all of these things. Because, and I'm, I'm going to quote Jesus here, is that Jesus was clear that the little children are, are to come to him and they can sit at his feet. So um, let's not hinder them. Let's not hinder them. Let's Let's clear the path them to be right at the center of our faith community to have an experience with him so um once again thank you and that's over and out for the the first episode of this season thank you colleen thank you andrew